0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim
1: and Shannon.
0: It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective. On this Wednesday episode, we're going to be talking with Interim Police Chief Justin Lundgren. He is in the studio with us today. We're going to talk about his temporary role, but also the role of law enforcement and what's going on here in the city. We'll have that conversation after inspiration.
1: Our inspiration today is on reading backwards. Reading the last chapter of a mystery novel first may sound like a bad idea to those who love the suspense of a good story. But some people enjoy reading a book more if they know how it ends. In Reading Backwards, authored Richard Hayes shows how important the practice is of our understanding of the Bible, By illustrating how the unfolding words and events of Scripture anticipate, echo, and throw light on one another, Professor Hayes gives us a reason to read our Bibles forward and not backward. Hayes reminds readers that it was only after Jesus' resurrection that disciples understood his claim to rebuild a destroyed temple in three days. The Apostle John tells us the temple he had spoken of was his body, only then could they understand a meaning of their Passover celebration never before understood. Only in retrospect could they reflect on how Jesus gave fullness of meaning to an ancient king's deep feelings for the house of God. Only by rereading their scriptures in light of the true temple of God, Jesus himself, could the disciples grasp how the ritual of Israel's religion and Messiah would throw light on one another. And now, only by reading these same scriptures backwards and forwards can we see in Jesus everything that any of us has ever needed or longed for. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us live long enough to see your ability to show up and reveal the wonder of your presence in ways that we could have never foreseen. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, in light of the inspiration and reading backwards, if we read state law backwards, law enforcement would actually be able to do that. We could job. undo
1: all the bad things there are out there.
0: That's right. But we do want to talk about law enforcement today. And in the past, we have had kind of quarterly updates from our sheriff. We had Sheriff Knezovic in. Prior to John Knowles, Sheriff John Knowles has come in. We had Police Chief Craig Meidel in for reports in the past. And today we have Interim Police Chief Justin Lundgren in. And we want to talk about law enforcement. But first, let's get to know who Justin Lundgren is, who is standing in for our Police Chief now until the new administration comes up with another. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I grew up in uh, Spokane. My wife and I are raising our
2: family here in the city I went to Shadle Park High School, graduated from from Shadle, and uh, spent four years down in Pullman at Washington State University, where I, I received a bachelor's degree. I grew up in a law enforcement family. My, my dad came on um, shortly before Expo 74 to bolster the, the force at that time. And so I grew up around the department my entire life. Uh, my brother is a detective on the police departments, and I have a lot of, a lot of really close ties. And so on the police department, I've had the opportunity to work my way up the ranks. I've had many different varied assignments over the years from patrol to investigations. I've been a training officer, was fortunate to be a member of the bomb squad for a number of years. I've worked um, administrative assignments and um, was the police uh, assistant chief under Craig Meidel for about seven and a half years. And so I learned a lot during that time. Uh, mo- most lessons I learned the hard way. That's just the way I do things. And so I'm bringing that experience and hopefully some stability for the next four to six months as uh, we look to see who the the next police chief is going to be.
0: Well, that sounds great that you're, you've got such a uh, history, not just with being in the city of Spokane, but with the current police force that we have. I know that we've got some longtime service members. Kind of how old is our officers. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus for getting old because I'm starting to show a little gray, but we do have a little, yeah. We do have officers that have been with the force for quite a long time and we still need to find all those new recruitments, right? Absolutely. So there are two ways that we, we attract new officers to the
2: department. One is to, to get what we call an entry-level officer. And that person can be any age, but it just simply means they have not been in law enforcement before. So typically those, uh, those folks are um, just beginning their career. We do have some some folks who will mid career and in a different field will switch over and become law enforcement officers, but uh, typically our, our entry level tend to be. Uh, officers in their 20s, men men and women in their 20s. Uh, We also offer the opportunity to join our department if you have prior law enforcement experience and you can lateral, known as being a lateral officer. And those folks usually are mid-career in a law enforcement profession. They bring their experience and ability. But as a whole, when you look at our department, there are approximately 70 people out of um, 356 uh, that would be eligible at any time if they chose to retire under the state retirement system. So certainly we expect that we're going to continue to have some attrition over the next several years. Uh, many people choose to not leave immediately when they're eligible, but certainly we have to be aware that when you have 70 officers that could leave, um, we have to be prepared and always be recruiting and trying to bring in the, the best officers to, to replace those that are going to leave and take that experience with them.
0: Yeah, that, and that's an important thing, I think, when we hear about law enforcement in the news and the media or by, uh, you know, political bodies, whether it's the city council or mayors that come and go. We don't hear how important it is that our law enforcement be backed up with new people coming in. That doesn't seem to be a political narrative. It doesn't seem to be a, a, an administrative goal in the past, at least in my lifetime didn't see it in the headlines but when i talked to either the sheriff or police chief or like yourself you just told me that a quarter of the law enforcement that we have could leave 25% of about could leave any moment yeah that's that's right and you know certainly when we bring in lateral officers
2: uh, they bring experience they bring training and they are a, a little bit more plug and play in that it doesn't take as much training to get them ready to provide uh, the service directly to the community obviously with entry-level officers, they have a whole academy ahead of them, several uh, field training officers and, and time that they're going to spend four and a half months with somebody on on patrol. And then only, only then are we going to be able to, to put them into a, a patrol car by themselves and have them respond as a member of the force. So it takes a while it, to get
0: them all ready to go for that. It, you know?
2: it does. And if, if somebody leaves today, you know, it's a year down the road, potentially, that their replacement shows up. I will say that the officers that we're having apply, we would love to have bigger numbers of applicants, but the officers that we are having ap- apply right now are just an incredible quality bunch of individuals. I've, as, good as, as good as they've ever been, it's just we, we would really need to get uh, uh, continue to get the, the number of applicants.
0: Yeah, that's important. And I do follow uh, city policing a little bit. Uh, Not that I'm spying on law enforcement, but I do via social media. And I see the hires that are coming in. We've seen over the last uh, couple of years, lateral hires from Seattle, people that are leaving larger cities where the policing environment's not as good. You know, a lot of the anti-policing uh, politics and, and movements that have happened kind of brings law enforcement to Spokane is what it seems like. So just for the listeners out there, it sounds like there is going to be an initiative on the ballot. And I think the, the best way as citizens that we can make sure we have law enforcement recruited to the city of Spokane is to pass that law for law enforcement to be able to pursue criminals. Cause it seems like that is really the desire of law enforcement to me. I mean, city government, the role of law enforcement is to, in my view, not just follow state law, but the whole, foundation is to protect the citizenry, protect their civil liberties, their rights, their property rights, personal rights. So when we have people assaulting people, of course, that's a crime. We got to deal with it. It seems like recently we've not had a place for law enforcement to take those individuals. And we talked about a jail on this show with a police chief previously. So that's something we're still going to have to deal with here in the very near future. What do you see as a interim police chief, your biggest barrier to keep those that are most uh, violent off the streets when, when officers are making arrests, if they can't, if they can arrest them, if they can't chase them, whatever the, the rules are here in the state?
2: Well, that's, that's a really good question. And, and what I would say is as a police department, we emphasize our efforts and, and our resources towards those who are the most prolific criminals, the people who are doing the most damage in the community. Certainly violent criminals are top of the list when we're, we're looking at uh, keeping the community safe. Our major crimes unit, touts about a 96% clearance rate on homicides, for instance. And I mean, it's just a really tremendous number when you figure that the national average is about 61% for a clearance rate on on those types of crimes. So
0: when you you say clearance rate, just so the audience knows, this is that the person that's arrested for homicide ends up convicted? That is
2: uh, 96% of the time when we have a homicide, we're finding the people that are responsible in charging them with that with that crime that isn't only a credit to our department but that's a credit to the community and the and the ties and the trust that the community places in our department Some of the communities across the country where you see lower clearance rates they they really struggle with being able to get the information that they need to be able to, have success in those cases. They have people who are reluctant to come forward or or do not want to cooperate with the investigation. And we are just so blessed to have a community that is so supportive and trusts us to do our job and provides us with the information so we can have our talented investigators go and, and solve those crimes.
0: So like recently, we've had some criminal activity. You had citizens that brought forward uh, ring cameras that brought forward uh, cell phone videos, things like that. So they're very upfront with law enforcement and in, in how they collect evidence, and that helps in this accessory.
2: Those are excellent examples. Um, those types of pieces of evidence are very, very helpful. And, and even trusting officers and being able to come forward if you have information, you know, about a family member or about a neighbor, or about someone who, you know, may have taken a taken part in one of these serious crimes and. Feeling compelled to share it and provide that information that might be that missing
0: piece that allows uh, detectives to to solve those cases. Okay. Well, and moving forward as a as an interim police chief, how long do you think you're going to be in this role as far as serving the administration and and kind of leading the law enforcement through that transition? So the the interim uh,
2: role for any of the department heads in the city is capped at six months i believe there's a a municipal code that allows it to be extended but as you you may know the the charter provides that certain members of the mayor's cabinet have to be confirmed by the council when we have a vacancy and we have to do a search there's a provision for an interim to step in and to fill that role for a short period of time, so it could be up to to six months, just as a, an initial assignment. the The mayor could have me on for six months while we're doing a search, while we're we're ga- gathering community input, while we're identifying those finalists, and then and then finally selecting someone to take that role on
0: full time. I would anticipate it will be a, a matter of months. A matter of months. Well, I hope that our city council and the current. Mayoral administration looks very carefully because if it takes a, a year to onboard an officer, maybe just six months isn't enough for a police chief. But I, but maybe for, for your sake, having that shorter term where they have someone come in more quickly is, is probably better. Uh, we're going to have to take a break and we're going to come right back again with interim police chief. Justin Lundgren, we're going to talk about some of the law enforcement issues here in the city of Spokane, how we as citizens can help aid in those situations, and how we can help the administration and city council pick that new police chief. We'll be right back.
1: Today, we want to think about how our founding fathers established a nearly foolproof system of government. Its checks and balances are among the most noteworthy aspects of our republic. Our government, when functioning as it was designed champions our liberties and prevents our government from becoming tyrannical and oppressive. By and large, however, the American people are sadly uninformed about democratic principles and their role in safeguarding our freedoms. What's more, the clearly defined lines between the three branches of government are becoming blurred and the United States citizens are paying the price. We must continue to pray that God protects our way of life asking Him that He would allow men and women in office who are committed to serving their constituents with integrity. We must remain in prayer for our elections, asking God to promote our fellow citizens to become more involved in this process. Voting is both a duty and a privilege, and the outcomes of our political races are critical in determining the future course of our nation. If you would take a moment to visit our website, www rightspokaneperspective.com. We have up on our website a list of all of our elected officials. Again, go to www.rightspokaneperspective.com, and let's all take a moment to pray for our officials and for the laws that they're looking at passing. Now back to our show.
0: And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this Wednesday episode we are visited by interim police chief Justin Lundgren. We appreciate him coming in in the stead of our former police chief Craig Mytle who used to give us updates so it's always good to talk to your law enforcement. It's like when they come to the the window you roll down the window and you're hoping it's just a good interview about who they are, who you are and and how we keep our community safe. So that's what we're doing today. So, uh, Justin uh, Lundgren, jump in and tell us about law enforcement, some of the needs that they have, the way that our, our city residents can can maybe be helpful to them, whether it's a, another police chief coming in. I know that that's going to be a process. We don't know what that's going to look like, but just how the community can support law enforcement and how law enforcement supports the community.
2: Well, that, that's a great question and a a big topic in the last about two years we've experienced uh, a 20 percent increase in uh, community requests for service so our calls for service have gone up tremendously and they've outpaced the staffing and despite the fact that our staffing is higher than it than it has been in the history of the time i've been with the department uh, the city has grown by population the city has grown geographically and certainly, those requests for service are outpacing the staff we have. So we prioritize. Earlier uh, last year, we anticipated that we were going to continue to see our calls for service increase, and so we we took officers who were assigned outside of patrol, we returned them into a patrol assignment, bolstered those patrol teams to try to reduce the amount of a time that people would have to wait for service when when they call Um, but absolutely we we want people to call we want people to report crime not only does that help us to respond but it also gives us the information that we need to identify trends and to understand what's going on in the community so that when we are deploying our resources and when the leadership from the from each of the precincts meets and conducts their crime control meeting they have the best information available about what's going on in the community where uh, you know where the activity is happening, so that we can strategize and and take those resources, take the officers, and develop missions that make sense to try and reduce what's actually happening. And so we really are dependent on the information from the public. And then, of course, as you mentioned before, ring video camera uh, footage has been very very helpful in identifying folks responsible for a variety of crimes, even, even low level crimes. Um, we've caught a lot of porch pirates. Yeah. Prolific, uh, theft, residential theft. Absolutely. Somebody on our department is going to know who that person is. So when we get that video and we put it out over email and everybody's looking at the image, so some officer invariably, or a crime analyst is going to see that and say, oh, that's such and such. And then, and then we have just solved that crime. So it's
0: a huge force multiplier for our agency. You know, I've got to take a little bit of a combative position almost, but not the kind that you have with the folks that are anti-policing. But I do feel for the people that are frustrated that police don't always show up to calls. I guess I'm not going to be too combative because I've been watching the city grow over my lifetime here. And even though there's, like you said, more officers now than you've ever seen, we're still short on the national average by a huge number of officers. I think it's like 80 officers that we're short just to be at the national average.
2: When, when you look at the, the statistics provided by the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs, and they look at national staffing, uh, Washington as a state ranks 51st behind all the other states and the District of Columbia in staffing per population for law enforcement.
0: So there was a president in the past that talked about more states than we really have. I think he said 57, but 51 uh, law enforcement states is what kind of what we're looking at, including the District of Columbia, and we're last. And we are last. That is not a pity party. That's just
2: a... That's just a uh, Statistical reality. It is a reality. It's something we have to work within. And so what it means is we have to take the resources that we're fortunate to have. We're, we have to prioritize how we use those resources. Um, and when we put... More officers in patrol. It was a there were a, there was an opportunity cost to that. We don't have a traffic unit right now. We don't have neighborhood resource officers. Those
0: we don't those have assigned law enforcement uh, resources like uh, patrol cars.
2: Yes, patrol cars. That's right. not the hot
0: seating thing is a big thing for me. I in my former life I was a mechanic, and you can tell the problems of the vehicle and line it up with the person that drives it. But in our law enforcement here in the city of Spokane. We can't tell which officers are hard around the vehicles because they're all just jumping in and out of cars as they need them, right? Some officers are are driving pooled cars, so some of those vehicles are on the
2: road 20 hours a day. It's a big task for a vehicle to be on, uh, let alone uh, just being used 20 hours a day, but stop and go, a lot of idling at collision scenes and crime scenes. It's not really the way that cars are developed
0: to be designed to be operated. So, Well, i got to stay on this hot seating thing for just a minute. When we talk about being short on law enforcement and needing, I think it was about 80 officers. You can correct me if that number pops in your head. But seeing our community grow, more apartment complexes being built, that number is going to change. Being 51st in the nation for law enforcement per 1,000 residents, means that on the equipment side when it comes to vehicles we're even like twice as bad because a lot of places realize even the private sector if you issue a piece of equipment to an individual they're responsible for it and the equipment lasts longer and it's not that we have officers that are bad necessarily but if they're in a situation where they've got to go over a median because that's the direction they have to go because there's somebody they got to chase, they can report, "Hey, probably needs a tie rod end because uh, this occurred." Well, if somebody else is jumping in the car right after them, these little write ups that happen for maintenance aren't occurring. So we're we're kind of abusing our equipment and our officers by being short on these you know crucial resources for municipal governments' fundamental role of law enforcement. So we, we did conduct a study related to our fleet,
2: and we, we do have needs both on the replacement, and I, I think it would be uh, very beneficial to individually assign vehicles. Certainly our number one priority is just is getting replacement vehicles on a, on a regular basis. Some of that has been obviously finding dedicated funding to do that, However, even with the funding that we've had in the last couple of years, it's been very difficult to get police cars. The manufacturers have not been able to get all the parts they need. Uh, you place an order, and then it doesn't show up, and you don't really know when it's coming, and then you don't know if, it, if it's going to get canceled, if they can't get the parts that they need.
0: That's going back to the supply chain COVID issues that we've, we've had over the last couple of years. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Well, and uh, we also have a, a city council that's you know trying to... Go all electric, which hasn't really worked out well for law enforcement. I won't drag you down that road because uh, we don't have time to charge that conversation. But, you know, I, th- I think that it's really important that, you know, I look at this is a show. We talk a lot about potholes and policing, and they're not two different discussions because all of those squad cars are hitting the same potholes we're all trying to dodge. So when we look at the fundamental of government, how do you we do all this short term emergency management in our city that i see frequently how do we fill the potholes so law enforcement's vehicles aren't being beat up like ours and then see the long term saying oh now we have enough money to buy more squad cars because we're not replacing the suspension every two years and things like that i mean is that something that our police chief normally communicates to our city so that's a really interesting question i am not well
2: versed on the replacement and pavement schedule and filling pothole um, portion of the public works that the city undertakes
0: i'll give you a quick statistic and i know this isn't going to be your your role as an interim police chief to to step in for these long-term discussions that our city should realize but there was a study done in the city of spokane that the average citizen's vehicle has six to eight hundred dollars damage done to it annually because of the condition of our streets So if that's our average citizen's damage to their vehicles, I would say that law enforcement that's on the road much more time per day than the average citizen, the cost to the taxpayer to damage to our city vehicles, whether it's, you know, squad cars or other city vehicles, is probably much higher. So just an interesting statistic. So let's have you... Bring up any discussion you'd like. we got about four minutes left. You know, something that citizens need to hear about local law enforcement. I know that uh, you've stepped into this role not because uh, you'd like to be police chief, because I don't know that you've signed up for that, but you stepped into the role because you appreciate those other law enforcement officers that are looking for leadership in this interim.
2: Well, earlier I said that
0: um, we're very, very fortunate
2: to have the relationship we do with the community And I really mean that. There's a lot of departments that are very envious of of where we are. It's never, like any relationship, it's never mission accomplished. But we just really enjoy a lot of community support. On the reverse side of that, I think it's important that the uh, the community knows that the department is filled with so many good and talented men and women, um, both commissioned and non-commissioned, who are serving the citizens to the best of their ability every day, going above and beyond. I'm very very fortunate to have worked um, at this at this police department. It's very humbling to be in an interim police chief position looking out at all of the the talented individuals, the the leadership at at all ranks of the organization. This department is going to be is going to be just fine regardless of who comes to lead. I think that it's going to be very competitive and is going to draw a lot of really a lot of really talented individuals who'll be interested in in leading a department um, such as the Spokane Police Department.
0: So we're looking at possibly a national search but we could also see someone coming from the ranks of law enforcement like our past chief I think was from the ranks of our local law enforcement and so uh, I think it'll be competitive. I think citizens should be you know telling their city council and the administration what kind of law enforcement leader we'd like to have because I think that on the combative side that I did take with you a little bit was that people are frustrated. We want more law enforcement. We want more property crimes investigated. That's one of the huge problems in the city of Spokane is property crime. So it's a just frustration by the citizens, but on the law enforcement side being shorthanded and then also not having jail capacity to keep those prolific ones off the streets is, is an issue that is out of law enforcement hands. It is in the citizens hands to make better decisions on how we have uh, our tax dollars used, in, in my view. Okay, so question on our way out the door today is, you know, looking at this reserve officer situation and then also cadets and how maybe the listeners out there that have grandchildren, children that are looking towards law enforcement, maybe while they get a law degree, or maybe you want to climb the ranks in local law enforcement.
2: Yeah, we have a, a really good volunteer program that that caters to all ages. Um, every everything from uh, high school age uh, to to college. Uh, all uh, opportunities for for people of all ages. There's uh, we have a reserve officer program where um, people can go through an abbreviated uh, police academy, a reserve academy that's uh, held here in Spokane. That's um, under the state curriculum. It allows them to go out and function as police officers in a volunteer capacity. Um, our, our volunteers uh, last year um, donated about eight to ten um, full-time employee uh, amount of hours, so the equivalent of eight to ten full-time employees
0: at no cost, um, at least no wage cost. All all volunteers, eight, eight to ten law enforcement positions. Like so, you're talking about law enforcement that's needed for help securing events, things like that, where these officers can step in. So 8 to 10, that donation, I would say, is close to $900,000, And so not all of that is – there
2: is a good portion of that that is is commissioned uh, volunteer time, but it's also, um, as you said, um, manning an intersection – A volunteer manning an intersection at Bloomsday. So instead of having officers at at an intersection, we have uh, a couple of our explorers that might be with barricades at an intersection and with a radio and being able to communicate any issues that they, they encounter.
0: And that's probably a good way for someone to get their foot in the door for for law enforcement career later. All right, folks, we're out of time for today, but yeah, that's a great way for folks to be involved in local law enforcement as well is encourage those, young folks in your life to become law officers uh, because this is not about the politics of the criminal justice that we see in the news. We need actual officers on the street that love the community, that want to serve and help those that are in crisis. All that being said, we will be with you folks again tomorrow. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.